Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Lisa McLeod from McLeod & More. Lisa is one of the foremost authorities on sales leadership and emotional engagement. Her best-selling book, Selling with Noble Purpose, introduced the idea of noble purpose in business. Her research has documented how organizations with a purpose bigger than money actually make more money and experience greater customer and employee retention. Lisa was formerly a sales trainer at Procter & Gamble. She now runs her own consulting firm, McLeod & More, whose clients include companies such as Hootsuite, Roche, Volvo, and Dave & Buster's, which sounds like fun to me. She's also a prolific writer. In addition to being the author of five books, she's written thousands of articles. She's the sales leadership expert for Forbes.com, and she's appeared on the Today Show and the NBC Nightly News. Her newest book is Leading with Noble Purpose, How to Create a Tribe of True Believers. It's been called a breakthrough book transforming the way leadership is conducted at every level of organization. Welcome, Lisa. Well, Linda, it's a pleasure to be with you. After that introduction, I feel like I should say something really profound. <laughs> well, we only want profoundness with a great purpose, of course. Uh, That's right. <laughs> tell me, first of all, where, where does this purpose come from? Shouldn't organizations that are for-profit organizations be focusing on profit? Why does focusing on purpose instead of profit actually benefit them? Well, it's interesting because in business, we tend to create a false dichotomy. We can either make money or we can make a difference. But what happens in organizations that say they're going to focus on profitability, that then becomes the narrative. So let's look at how this plays out. Uh, If you're trying to create sales aids, if you're in marketing, you're trying to create marketing materials. If you're in sales and you're making sales calls, if you're in operations and you're focusing on profit. That is an internal metric. What you really want to be focusing on is customers. And what happens is people get kind of confused because they hear noble purpose and they often think, oh, it means you just do good and you don't make money. It's the opposite of that. Companies with a noble purpose are focused on adding the most value they possibly can to their customers, having the biggest customer impact. And they talk about customers all the time and how they can produce bigger, better results for their customers. And because of that, they become more profitable. So isn't a profit a good way to reflect how well you're doing, right? And we always look at profitability. We look at sales, revenue, and then we look at profitability. So uh, should we still be looking at profitability? Absolutely, you should still look at profitability. What we have to understand, though, is profitability and sales, revenue, all of those financial metrics – those are lagging indicators. They reflect the mindsets, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors of what the organization was doing six months ago. And so what happens is if you overly focus on profit, like think about if you are in marketing, you've probably had a salesperson call on you selling whatever, right. whether they're selling media or whatever. Imagine two salespeople, and one of them is – focus on how he can sell you the most profitable thing for his or her company. And the other is focused on 
how they can sell you the most valuable thing to you. Their behaviors are going to be completely different. And so what happens when people start pushing towards profitability is it becomes the narrative of the organization when in reality the senior leadership of the organization needs to be focused on profitability, making sure that the products have appropriate profitability and all the other metrics are in place. But if that becomes the prevailing story of the company, it's absolutely non-differentiated because it's internal based, internally focused story. Imagine me coming to make a sales call and you going, Linda, the thing you need to know about my company that makes us great to do business with is every deal that we do is really profitable for us. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> it doesn't make you feel good. I mean, I want to do business with companies that are making money because I don't want them to go out of business and not be able to provide. But if that becomes the internal story of your company, we're all about profitability right now. We've seen what happens. The external story is just completely boring. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so what happens, and I'm sure you've found companies like this where really there is no noble purpose. There's no overriding purpose as to why they're there. What do you see as, as kind of problems that occur in that situation? Well, I'll give you a real-life example. In the new book, Leading with Noble Purpose, we compare two companies. And one of the companies is Monster.com. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what happened at Monster.com because it's been very publicly noted. I wrote about it for Forbes. Monster.com was founded by Jeff Taylor and a number of other people, and they had a noble purpose. They believed that you, the job seeker, deserved a better job, and they wanted to harness the power of the Internet to help everybody find a great job. And Jeff Taylor used to say it's half about a better job and half about a better life. So the story, the cadence inside Monster the internal narrative was we help people find better jobs. We're changing people's lives. They brought people in to meetings. I found a job on Monster. Changed my life. I mean, it was amazing. They were the darling of the Internet. In the early 2000s, they were one of the top 20 most visited websites in the world, the entire world. I mean, take that in, in the world. So what happened? Jeff Taylor, the original founders leave. They bring in this guy, uh, Sally Anuzi, who's the CEO. He brings in his people, and emphasis shifts from helping job seekers to we're going to be profitable. We're going to get the numbers up. And here's what happens. For the first two years, the numbers do go up. Right. Because what's happening is he's adjusting all those levers that make the profitability go up, but the internal dialogue changed. So for the first two years, it looks pretty good. Well, then guess what starts to happen? Because people are no longer talking about job seekers, they're only talking about internal stock, about stock price and internal metrics. Monster gets out innovated by LinkedIn. And right. so the, the story on the street is, oh, Monster was out innovated. But the real story is, no, they lost their sense of purpose. And because they quit talking about job seekers, those kinds of conversations, those about the customer, that's what drives the innovation. And so what happened in Monster is under Ian Newsy's leadership, the stock lost all its value. He ended up being um, fired at the end. And it was really because he changed the cadence and tone of the organization. And they become all about the money. And thus, no one was thinking of any good ideas. Their marketing wasn't innovative. Now, what's interesting enough is I wrote an article about this for Forbes.com. And uh, and I got a lot of flack for it. And a bunch of the monster employees started commenting, and some of them said, um, yeah, that's totally what happened. We ate it here now. And this is all poor. 
And some of them said, no, that's not true. And so it kind of stirred up something inside a monster. Well, imagine my surprise when um, the VP marketing and the CEO called me and say, yeah, we read this article. And I'm just thinking, like, my stomach's, like, in a knot. I'm like, <laughs> I almost never write anything negative. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? They go, uh, could you, you know, we'd be interested in talking to you about this. I was like, bring it on. So the CEO said, was a long-term monster guy. And he said, yeah, we got to get it back. And so, you know, I went, and that was something we talked about. So they're really trying to get it back now. But that's an example of what happens when the leadership changes the purpose of the company, when they shift from having this purpose that's about customers to having a profit purpose. And the thing is, I know a lot of people who listen to your podcast are marketing people. Right. Marketing, they are the ones that even if the finance guys get up there and start talking about numbers all day, because that's what they do and that matters. Marketing, they are the people that can say, let's look at what these numbers mean and bring in the customer stories. Marketing is the one because they create the narrative for the company. Right. Absolutely. Now, what's fascinating to me is that you have a purpose very often and you lose it. And it, sometimes it's got to do with a company getting bigger or new leadership coming in. But you mentioned LinkedIn. And so here we are at a, at a time when LinkedIn has recently been purchased by Microsoft and LinkedIn has had this purpose do you often see that when a company goes through this kind of acquisition that things fall off the rail because a purpose gets put to the side? It very often happens because all the efforts, and I don't know what's going to happen with LinkedIn and Microsoft. Right, the, the jury's still out on that one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I'll tell you what I see, too, two things happening. Uh, more often than not, all the energy gets focused on the deal and when you do these M&A or in these M&A situations, a lot of people make a lot of promises, and then what happens afterwards is everybody's promised certain things to get the deal done, and then they have to start delivering. So there's a lot of pressure. Once an, once an acquisition gets rolling down, there's a lot of pressure to make it close, and then there's a lot of pressure to prove it's worth it. And so often what happens, not always, but often what happens is you go right back to only talking about internal metrics and you don't talk about customers. However, having said that, I have seen acquisitions. And prior to LinkedIn being acquired by Microsoft, LinkedIn made an acquisition of lynda.com, right. which are the people that do all the online training stuff. And yep. lynda.com was a very purpose-driven company. They were very much about you know, the people who subscribe to the courses. And when they were purchased by LinkedIn, anecdotally, some of the people I work with said it was great because their purposes were aligned. So they actually came out of that acquisition feeling stronger and like they had more resources to put towards their purpose, more scale to put towards their purpose. That's often not the case, but it was the case there. We'll see with Microsoft. Right, exactly. So, you know, and it makes sense. You're helping people get careers. You've worked with Roche. They're helping people fight a disease or have a better quality of life. I mean, those are, are types of organizations where, from an outside at least, it seems simple to find out what the purpose is. What if you're yeah. just Joe Schmo making widgets, right? You're doing something that you're not saving people's lives. You're not helping people change careers. How do you come up with a purpose when you're kind of in an ordinary just kind of vanilla type of business? There's a couple of different ways you can do it. So I'll share some examples with you. Um, one of our clients is actually a concrete company. So, I mean, you talk about something that's kind of non-differentiated. Oh, yeah, concrete. concrete. 
Um, and th- there, there are some things that make their concrete better that they can tell you about. And most people wouldn't really be interested or understand them. But one of the things that they talked about that was really interesting was they said most people, when they deal with contractors, because these people deal with residential and they, they do some commercial. So most people, when they deal with contractors, and this is a company called Foundation Support Works out of Omaha, Nebraska. So not mm-hmm. only do they make concrete, but they were a blue-collar company in Omaha, Nebraska. Right. So and they would say themselves, the opposite of sexy. Having said that, what they decided with our help was they said, you know, when you have a contractor come into your home, it's usually not a great experience. Certainly, sure. when you hire one, most people don't expect a great experience. So their purpose is about reinventing the entire contracting industry that they want to set a new standard for what you should expect with a contractor. And that goes through every level. When you call on the phone, when the person comes out to give you the estimate, if you have a problem afterwards, what the work is like. And so they've really created an ethos. And it's interesting. They're a top place to work in the Midwest now. This is a blue-collar company. Well, most mm-hmm. people do not have college degrees. They're out, like, pouring foundations in people's basements. But they have become a go-to employer because – they have created this ethos around we are going to ha- create a different experience for the consumer, and we're going to reinvent this entire industry, and it's really big. And so, it, you know, even people that are in industries like that, I'll tell you somebody else um, who I know personally is Popeye's Chicken. Mm-hmm. And Popeye's Chicken, the CEO is one of my favorite people, a woman named Cheryl Batchelder. She is the um, – Last year was the most profitable restaurant CEO in America. And when she took the Popeyes over, they were about to go under. I mean, it was a mess. And on every single metric, they were performing poorly. And she implemented purpose-driven leadership, and their purpose is focused on creating better leaders. Ah. So you'd think, oh, Popeyes, they could be focused on, you know, chicken or the guest experience. But their whole focus is on creating these principal service-oriented leaders. And everything that they do is about creating leaders in the business. And so that goes from the franchise owners all the way down to everybody who works at the counter. They're all devoted to creating better leaders. So think about how that plays out and why you would have a different experience at Popeye's. If everybody there is focused on creating exceptional leaders, you have a very different experience than an organization where they're interested in measuring efficiency as, as their prime motive. Now, they measure the efficiency, but again, she's the most profitable restaurant CEO in America because she's been doing this for a couple of years now, focusing on this higher purpose. That's fascinating. So when an organization brings you in, do they have an idea what their purpose is, or are they sometimes feeling around saying, we know we're, we're doing more than just delivering concrete? Um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. So, for example, Roche is a big client of ours. And they already had a purpose statement. It was, we do now what patients need next, which I think is genius. I wish I could say I played a part in coming up with it, but I didn't <laughs> at all. But what, they, what I do for them is I've gone around and spoken at a number of global meetings, and I work with a number of their brands on accelerating Another company that brought us in said, we kind of think we have a purpose, but we're not sure, and it was Dave and Buster's. Yep. And, th- I mean, talk about a fun group of people. Um, <laughs> And we realized that their purpose was to champion Laugh Out Loud Bus. Ah. So if the Dave & Buster sales rep comes to call on you and you're Microsoft and the Dave & Buster sales rep says, 
you know, we, you should have your meeting at our facility, we have a whole story on what Laugh Out Loud Fun will do to your corporate environment. And they are the champions of Laugh Out Loud Fun. And I love that word because it's kind of sportsy, you know. So yep. we help them come up with that. So some companies have a vague sense, and we help them name it and claim it. Other companies already have one, and we help them scale it. Excellent, excellent. And you started out by your first book was around selling with noble purpose. Now you focus on leading with noble purpose. What are some of the differences now that you're looking at leadership? Because selling is one thing because you're calling on a customer. But now when you're leading with noble purpose, you've got to infuse that through the whole entire organization. That's right. And I'll tell you why I wrote Leading with Noble Purpose. Um, I like to write somewhat, but you know, you've written a book and yep. you write blog posts. It's not always a pleasurable experience. And so what I always say is I don't write a book until I'm so frustrated with a problem that it becomes more frustrating to not write the book. <laughs> so that's what happened here. So I wrote Selling with Noble Purpose, and it did really well. And a lot of organizations implemented it with their sales teams. Here's what I noticed, though. The companies that took the noble purpose concept and embedded it in their senior leadership, in their processes, all the way through the organization were exponentially more successful than the companies that just kept it in sales. And so leading with noble purpose is about how a number of our clients scaled noble purpose with our help over the last couple of years. And the things that were really important in sales, you usually have a clear picture of who your customer is, yeah, but a lot of times that gets lost back in the organization. And so some of the things that we've done with our clients are we created like customer prototypes. And we, one client was hilarious. We made these giant customer prototypes, like real people, you know, they're right. like life-sized, you know, like cardboard. Yep. And they sit in the meetings. And so everything has to be run by. There were like five customer prototypes, and they're like in the back at the meetings. And it's like, are we doing this for, you know, Bill and, you know, Susan? And it's, are, is this going to affect them in positive ways? And you would be amazed at the level of innovation and detail that comes out when you start designing your processes, making decisions, you know, coming up with new ideas for actual people rather than just some vague notion of customer. Right. It, it's really powerful. Absolutely. So tell me, so this is great if, if I'm an executive leader, if I'm the CEO or the VP or I'm running a business unit. What if I'm not the boss? What if I'm somewhat in the organization? How can I take this leading with noble purpose and really start to make it work in my, in my group? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because one of the comments I get from people is, and this I get emails on this all the time. I want to do this. I believe in noble purpose, but all my boss cares about is money. Right. And I have to tell you, a lot of times that's not true. Money and profitability are the language of business. And sometimes the boss doesn't know another way to communicate. So I'll tell you what has been my experience. One of our clients, and you can see it on our website, one of our clients is Flight Center. Mm -hmm. They have 80,000 people all around the world, and Noble Purpose started with one manager in one office who read the book and said, I'm going to come up with my Noble Purpose, and I'm going to start doing this. So rather than waiting for everyone else to jump on board, she came up with this. She started doing it. 
And people said, well, that way you are with customers. That's really different. What are you doing? She said, oh, I read this book, and here's what I'm doing. Then her whole office started doing it. And within one year, that became the company mantra. Wow. 80,000 people all over the world. And so, you know, I've seen that happen more often than not. Having said that, even if she'd have just kept doing it, just her, mm-hmm. she, she was much more successful. That's why yep. people noticed. Even if no one else had noticed, she was much more successful. So my counsel to people is don't wait. If you're at a, a lower level in the organization, if you're at a mid-level, don't try and get your boss on board with it. Just start doing it because nothing breeds interest more than success. That's true. That's true. So tell me, because I know, you know, one thing is how do you start doing this? How do you learn about this? And certainly reading the books is good, but if we want to get more, you've got an institute that you're putting together. So tell me about that. We do. I'm really excited. So I've worked with a couple of, um, I won't say startups, but companies that were fast growth and like Hootsuite's one, they're on our website. And they were sort of mid-sized, and we took them, helped take them to the next level. They had a lot of talented people. And after we started doing some things like that, we started getting emails. And we would get emails from people who were maybe a smaller startup, who were maybe, you know, a mid-level manager in a company and didn't have a lot of resources. And they said, well, how can we work with you? So what we started was the Noble Purpose Institute, and I'm so excited about this. It's going to be this fall. It's in Atlanta. There's inf- it's in November. There's information about it on our website. If you just Google Noble Purpose Institute, Lisa McLeod will come up. And what we've done is it's a three-day program, and it's got 12 mini-modules. And what we did was we took the consulting process that we use across a six-month period in a company and turned it into 12 steps. Each module is discrete, stands alone, so that in three days, someone can get everything they need to know about implementing this in their company. And so we've got, I was just looking at the list today, we have a big diverse group of people. We've got one guy who's a lead trainer for AT&T, he's coming. We've got another guy that runs this big plumbing showroom, and he's coming. (laughs) And so, you know, very different people. But the way I designed it is I remember um, I'm pretty old, and I remember when Good to Great was really big. And I thought, I want to think of this like Good to Great. This is the newer version of that. Mm -hmm. And thinking about, like, you could have implemented Good to Great as a solopreneur or as AT&T. Right. You know, because they were these rock-solid principles. And so I wrote the last book so that it would be like that. And then that's what we've done with this institute is we've created something that the individual leader or entrepreneur could go back and implement. That's fantastic, and it sounds exciting. Sounds great. Oh, I'm super excited about it. I'm super excited about it. Um, we've got a section on marketing in there, which, you know, for marketers, we help them create their noble purpose. We talk about how to scale it. We create the backstory. How do you share it? How do you use it in other parts of the company? What are metrics that you can use? And because we've had a lot of really generous clients, we're able to share experiences that those clients have had and examples. So that's exciting. Fantastic. That sounds great. And where would people find out more about you and the book and and the Institute? What kind of, can you give us a link where they can go to? Uh, Yeah, they can go to noblesalespurpose.com. Okay. 
And most people don't bother to type things in there like me. If you just Google Lisa M-C-L-E-O-D, I'll pop up. And our website's okay. there, and we've got information about the Institute and my speaking and the book. Okay, fantastic. We've been talking with Lisa McLeod from McLeod and More, and she is the author of Selling with Noble Purpose and the new book, Leading with Noble Purpose, How to Create a Tribe of True Believers. Thank you, Lisa. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. I love talking to marketers because marketers always get it. You're the creative idea people, and you know how much the story matters. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.